Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with the Traders Point Church of Christ. I'm here with our evangelist, Jeremy Bard. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2 this morning. Jeremy is going to be uh, preaching through this particular chapter of Acts on Sunday morning. So we're going to take some time to to look through that uh, together today. Acts chapter 2 is probably one of the more well-known chapters uh, in the New Testament. Uh, But a lot of time, as Jeremy pointed out when we were talking about this, a lot of time is spent towards the end of Acts chapter 2, and there's a lot leading up to the end of Acts chapter 2. And so we're going to take a step back and look at the chapter in its entirety together this morning. So Jeremy, as as you get started studying on a a chapter like this, something that I'm sure you've read uh, a million different times over the course of your life, uh, how do you prepare to present a sermon on such a well-known chapter and, and really make it come alive uh, again for us? Well, I think a lot of, a lot of ways, especially for a, a chapter like this, is you try your best to kind of look at it and read it and study it as fresh as you can. And, you know, sometimes we almost throw that cliche out there. You, you try to, you know, look at it like you're looking at it for the first time. And in some passages, that's just, it's really virtually impossible to do that. I mean, I can do my very best to try to read through Acts chapter 2 like it's the very first time that I've yeah. ever read through, but it's just very <laughs> difficult to do that. But you're trying to look at it in a fresh way. It, mm-hmm. And really, it came down to just, you know, uh, some thinking that I was doing this week And the reality, as you already had made mention of, that when we talk about Acts chapter 2, we'll allude to it a lot, and and we'll allude to it a lot in really two different ways, whether it'll be, you know, passages like uh, Acts 2 and verse, you know, 37 and 38, where there at the end of Peter's sermon, uh, the people are, you know, they're asking him, oh, you know, what what, what can we do about this? And and then you have there Acts 2, 38, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. And and we'll, we'll talk about the significance of that when we when we get there or we're talking about the very end of it after all of these thousands of people have been uh, baptized into Christ and now you have what is in essence the beginning of the Lord's church and and the way they interacted with one another at the very end of Acts chapter 2 we spent a lot of time on that and so it came down pretty simply to you know just kind of thinking about that and then and then realizing what is it that gets us to that place you know, what is it that gets us to Acts 2, 37 and 38? What, what is it that gets us to there being a group of people who are in Christ and, and worshiping and being together and loving one another? What is it that led up to that? And then you go back and, and you pick up Acts chapter 2 and you, you try to picture the story. You try to picture the scene. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll do a, a, you know, a little bit of that this morning. And it really, as you made mention a moment ago, it allows the whole circumstance to kind of come alive. Yeah. And that's a fresh way that you can really take a look at it. And then it makes, I think, Acts 2, 37 and 38 sing a little bit more. It mm-hmm. makes the end of Acts chapter 2 with the interaction of the church with one another really uh, be put into a little bit more of a context when you go back and grab the whole story mm-hmm. from what you have at the very beginning of Acts chapter 2. I think it helps also in, in, in doing exactly what you just said to try and look at it from the perspective of the apostles as well. I, I think it's easier for us to be on the receiving end. We, 
we hear the gospel sermon that's being preached and how we respond to that. And obviously it's easy for us to, to relate to that a little bit more. But, but to put yourselves in the position of the apostles, I think, is an interesting way to look at Acts chapter 2. Because in a lot of ways, what happens here in Acts chapter 2 is really the beginning of something entirely new for them as well. You know, Jesus has, has obviously been crucified on the cross. He's risen from the dead. He spent 40 days with them after he had risen before going back up into heaven. And now, probably just, I think, 10 days later, Acts chapter 2 hits. And so, these guys have been with Jesus for the last three years. They've witnessed him die. They've seen him raised from the dead. They watched him go back up into heaven. And now, 10 days later, they're sitting here... I can only imagine kind of a little bit scared, like, what, what do we do now? You know, the, Jesus, our, our leader, our Savior, he's gone, and now it's left up to us, and what are we going to do? And so to put yourself in that situation and, and kind of experience what happens in Acts chapter 2 through their perspective, I think it helps me anyway to kind of just kind of envision this whole situation that unfolds here beginning in Acts chapter 2 and over the next few chapters as well, from their perspective and how they take on this new role that they have been, they've been put in charge of, obviously with the help of the Holy Spirit, as we'll see here in the beginning of Acts chapter 2. Uh, but that really, I think, opens an entirely new way of, of reading Acts chapter 2, to read it through the eyes of the apostles as they really begin to figure out what's next for them. You know, it's really interesting you, you bring up kind of the the timing of all of this, you know, if you expand it out, let, let's say to two months of time, you know, when we start to think about that and we think, hey, you know, it's two months a long time. I mean, it really isn't. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're sitting here really towards the back end of the third month of the year. And it seems to me as if, I mean, 2019 has just started yeah. and we're nearly three full months <laughs> in, right? And so when we think about two months, so let's take Acts chapter 2 and let's go back just two months. Mm -hmm. And when you go back just two months, we've already made mention that after his... You know, after Jesus is raised from the dead, after being crucified, he's there with his disciples for 40 days. And now you're, you know, you're 10 days later. I think that's right. And then, you know, now you've got those 50 days, basically, since his crucifixion. Well, you go back 10 more days, and and you've you've basically got the whole second half of the book of John. (laughs) I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you you pick up the book of John in the Mm -hmm. middle, basically, and you come here to Acts chapter 2, and you're really just two months. Mm -hmm. And then if you start to then examine all that takes place for these guys in the second half of the book of John to where we are right now, it's unbelievable to think about all that Jesus went through in the last couple of weeks, or certainly even the last week of his life leading up to his crucifixion, the three days that he was in the ground, Mm -hmm. the, the incredible emotion that would have come from his resurrection and then meeting with the apostles and being with them for 40 some odd days, seeing him ascend into heaven, being told to wait. You know, for you know, you're going to be told what's going to happen next. Just kind of hang out for a little while, and what those days would have been like waiting. And now, just ten days—not that long. Mm-hmm. Ten days after being with Jesus, a week and a half, Jesus was on the earth a week mm-hmm. and a half ago for these guys, and now here they are in Acts chapter two, 
and the scene is set, and it's just, and I think you're right, to really start to picture the whole circumstance from their perspective and how really quickly the book of mm-hmm. Acts will move from this point. Yeah. And, I mean, just to think about the impact that Jesus certainly would have had on them and now to deliver his story mm-hmm. in the way that happens here in Acts chapter 2. It's, it's remarkable to think about. Two months. I yeah. mean, it's, it's incredible to think about. And we really see, you know, the providence of God at work in, in all of this, not only in the time frame that you mentioned here, but the, the fact that this happens on the day of Pentecost, which would have been a time in which all of the Jews, regardless of where you lived, would have been coming to Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. So everyone would be here during this time frame. You see the fulfillment of what Jesus had told his apostles in John chapter 14 about the helper, the Holy Spirit that God would send after after Jesus left them. All of these things kind of coming together so perfectly to lead to what happens here in Acts chapter 2. And you can take a step back from that and just realize, I mean, there, there's no way all of this just happened, you know, to, to coincide. I mean, this is God at work here as he begins his church. And it's just so amazing to be able to go through here and see, wow, you know, all of these people were here. The, the apostles were here. The fulfillment of the Holy Spirit coming to them. And, and Peter preaching about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and the impact that that had on people and their response. All of that is just showing us the power of God at work in all of this. He, he is in control of this. This is exactly how he wanted his church to begin. This is exactly how he designed it. And so to be able to look at that and realize, wow, I mean, this was in the plan from the very beginning. You know, this isn't something that just kind of happened one day and it was written down for us. I mean, this is something that was in God's plan from the beginning for his church to be established at this time and in this way. And that's just such an amazing thing that we have recorded for us to go back and read. Yeah, and you know, it is interesting that the, the timing of all of this seemingly is, is perfect, especially for the audience. Mm-hmm. That, that you have a time here where you have Jews from all over the world coming to Jerusalem. The historians will say that just in the temple area itself, you could fit... 200,000 people just in the temple area. That's not counting all of the people Mm -hmm. that are in the city, just in the temple area. And so it it would just, the the busyness of the place would have been just off the charts right now. And, and, And God does something, and he showcases you know, we'll talk about, you know, these uh, speaking in tongues here in just a moment, but I mean, he showcases something that I think shows the world that this message that is about to be delivered is for everybody. Now, the the one that we have from Peter that's given to us here in Acts chapter 2 is very specific for the Jews, and, and he makes a point of referencing that several times throughout Acts chapter 2. But from the very outset, I think God, he kind of portrays and he puts that picture out there that that this message, what Jesus has done, is for everybody. And it's a message that everyone needs to hear. Now the Jews kind of get at it first in Acts chapter 10 when Cornelius is converted to Christ and you kind of have the spreading of that into all the world. But you have here these men speaking in other languages, and, and I think that is certainly to show that this is a message for all people, and you're at a time here that you have all kinds of people right here in Jerusalem specifically. Well, that's what is alluded to here when we, when we see uh, the, the tongues coming upon the apostles, giving them the ability to speak in a variety of different languages. 
We even see as, as many of the people who are, are present, their, their home language mm-hmm. is, is listed here for us. Now, they were Jews by bloodline, but obviously at this point in time, the Jews had been spread and scattered throughout a large portion of the known world. And so there were a lot of Jews who grew up speaking a variety of different languages, but they still came back to Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost or the, the, harvest of, of, uh, the Feast of Harvest or Weeks or whatever it was called in the Old Testament. They came back for that feast, and so they would come back as Jews, but they all spoke different languages at this point in time. Right. And so for, in order for this to be something that they were all able to participate in, we see God, again, His providence, giving these men the ability to speak in these tongues so that they could communicate with all of the Jews, regardless of their language at the time. And so to your point, this obviously is a fulfillment of the prophecy that this would be brought to the Jews first. And in order for that to happen, this is how it had to happen, because they they all spoke different languages at this point. (laughs) And so in order for that prophecy to be fulfilled, God gave them the ability to speak in tongues, which again is just a sign of just God's greatness and His ability to, to see all of this unfold in the way that He wanted it to and to give these apostles the tools that they needed at this time to accomplish what God wanted them to accomplish on His behalf. Yeah, I think it would be good for us, just for a, a, just a quick moment, we don't have to spend a lot of time on it because we want to get into what Peter has to say, but you know, I think it, it's, it's good for us to you know, make mention of what's really taking place right here. You know, there may be some questions about you know, what speaking in tongues here, certainly even culturally and in our society, but biblically, speaking in tongues is always the same thing. Mm-hmm. It is not gibberish. It is mm-hmm. not you know, just some you know, unintelligible, you know, non-human language that's tossed out there. It's always a, a, a human language mm-hmm. of some people. And when what's taking place here is the apostles who are, are not able to speak all of these languages, miraculously, they are able to do so. So it is happening to the apostles, not the ears of all the people that are there. You know, they're, they're not, you know, there's not one person speaking and they're hearing it. No, it is, the Spirit is, is on the apostles. They're speaking and people are hearing their own language. And, and so it is an actual language that's being spoken, a language that they don't know that they've not learned. But that's what the case is. And even when you get into, you know, books like First Corinthians, you talk about tongues. I, I think even there it is an actual intelligible mm-hmm. you know language that's being used and in a lot of ways even what you're saying i was thinking about it here as you were making your last comment it almost is like a reverse Tower of Babel situation, you know, in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, you think about the Tower of Babel way back early on in the book of Genesis. I mean, God's unhappy with the way people are conducting themselves, and he scrambles all of their languages so that they can't communicate, they can't interact with one another, and they just can't, they can't do those things. But now here... It, this message is so incredibly important. Yeah. He like brings everybody now together and the same language is the gospel. I mean, mm-hmm. that, it, it's delivered certainly in their own tongue, but the same language is the gospel. It is now what is to unite everyone. And it just, you know, it was interesting, you know, just kind of think about that was, you know, kind of popped on me, you know, right here. But it's just an interesting way that God says, listen, it is so vitally important. Everyone needs to be able to hear this message. Everyone needs to hear this story. And that really is what the book of Acts yeah. is, is about in, in just a few words. It right? really is. And as you start to get into what that message truly was, I mean, it, it's very obvious as to why 
God wanted everyone to be able to understand it. And I think what we see as, as Peter really begins his sermon there in verse 14 and following, what we see here in Acts chapter 2 is really the same message, the same type of sermon that we will see repeated over and over again throughout the book of Acts. And it's so interesting to me that, that the message that is being delivered always leads to the same response. And, and to me, that's always been something that really hit home to me because, you know, obviously as, as a teacher, uh, preaching on occasion, talking to people about the gospel, it always is something that we have to ask ourselves, well, what am I going to say? You know, what, what is it that God wants me to say so that I can try and have the most significant impact on the person that I'm talking to? And I think you go to the book of Acts, and the answer to that question is obvious. You preach Jesus, you preach his death, you preach his burial, you preach his resurrection. Yeah. And when that happens, the response is always the same. What do I do? Tell me what to do. Because yeah. when the truth about Jesus is preached in such a way, it leads people to ask that question. And so that's why this sermon is preached in Acts chapter 2. I mean, almost the same thing is preached in Acts chapter 4 and so many other places throughout the book of Acts. And I think that goes to, to the point that you were making. God wanted and needed that message to be heard by everyone. And so he starts here with the Jews in Jerusalem, and he makes sure everyone there can understand it. And then as we see throughout the book of Acts and following, that message is then taken to the rest of the world and still to us today. As, as teachers, as preachers, as evangelists in, in our communities, keep it simple. Preach Jesus, preach his death, his burial, his resurrection, and this is the type of response that we'll get from that. You know, Paul, I mean, he'll make that point several times throughout his writings. You, you have, you know, the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1, talking about the power, the power of the gospel. Where he says, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power. Uh, and he talks about the power that it has there. He, he talked to the brethren in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where, you know, they got all kinds of different things going on, and they're just kind of, you know, divided among themselves. And, and then he makes the point, listen, I, I don't want to be involved in any of that. I, I don't want to know any of that. The only thing I know and the only thing I want to preach is Christ and him crucified. That's it. And you see the simplicity, and you may say, well, man, that sounds, there's all kinds of stuff in God's Word that we can be, you know, preaching about. Yeah, there is. But ultimately, it all comes back to this, what we see in Acts chapter 2. And you're right, as you flip through the pages of the book of Acts, you continue to see the power that that story has about the story of Jesus and what he did for man. And you can see, certainly on the soft heart, the impact that that story is going to have. And so you get you know, things like the people being amazed here at the beginning or perplexed. Certainly you have the the outliers that will criticize, and that's, I think, what Peter uh, talks about at the very beginning and answering that criticism of them being drunk or being outside their mind, that he goes to the book of Joel to, to make the point that, no, th this is something that God has always been pointing us towards. And so it's, it's not us being drunk. It's not us being outside of our mind. It's about being us filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's exactly what God had wanted, that he's pointing everyone towards salvation, that he says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 21. And then now, then in verse 22, all focus turns to Jesus. Mm -hmm. All of the focus turns to Jesus, who he was, 
who those people knew him to be mm-hmm. and ultimately what they did to him. Yeah, and I think we, the point you just made is an important one. He uses Joel and he uses the Psalms here just in Acts chapter 2 to, to make the point that this has been in the work since the beginning. Yeah. In fact, none of this should really come as a surprise to any of you all as Jews mm-hmm. because it was the prophets and it was David and it was all the, they were the ones that were pointing you towards this day, towards this man Jesus from the very beginning. None of this should come as a surprise to you. And he, he continues to do that. Paul does that in his, in his epistles as well. He'll continually reference back to Old Testament prophets as they look towards the time of Christ to make the point that this shouldn't be a surprise to you. You know, you shouldn't be wondering about all of this. This is something that God has had in the plan from the beginning of time. And his prophets have have tried to lay the groundwork for this time. And so he uses that here in Acts chapter 2 with all of these Jews present to point to the fact that this is what was planned all along, and now you are here during the fulfillment of that. You have seen the fulfillment of these things. Now, what are you going to do with it? And what, what are you going to do with all of that? What are you going to do with this understanding of, of what you did to the Christ after hearing about the truth in regards to who He was and what He came to earth to do? And all of that bringing in the Old Testament, I think, is an important part of that. And I think it still has an impact on us today, maybe yeah. not in a, a different way than it would have to first century Jews, for sure. But even for us today, to be able to look back and recognize over thousands and thousands of years that God had a plan in place to bring Christ to the earth, to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, that has a significant impact on us today. It should have a significant impact on us today to recognize that all of this has been in the work since the beginning. You know, we often use the phrase that hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. You know, and, and we use that when we get to a point, you know, sometime, you know, into the future that we can get there and look into the past mm-hmm. and, and, and things seemingly are more clearer in the future than they were in the present. Yeah. That we can look back and say, oh, now I, now I can see that was going to be a big problem. I didn't see it then, but man, mm-hmm. I can see how I should have seen that. And we use that phrase, you know, all the time. Oh, that's in a lot of ways how Peter preaches this sermon, mm-hmm. especially yeah. at the very beginning yeah. in, in verses 22, 23, and 24, where he makes the point, listen, I, I'm talking about someone there to those people that you know that he did the signs and he did the wonders, those things that cannot be denied, that he was crucified, that he raised from the dead. And the point that he's making, you may have missed it in the present, but you in no way can miss it right now. And I think you have you know, people starting to see that. And he points to you know, a passage like he does in verses 25 through 28 when he makes reference there to the Psalms that you made mention of already uh, about David. And maybe it was, and probably it was, that these people for a long time had been thinking that David was, was talking about himself mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. But now he's like, listen, hindsight is twenty twenty. David wasn't talking about himself there. He was talking about Jesus of Nazareth right there. And he makes the point, listen, David, we can go dig him up. We can dig up his bones and we can see that he's not raised from the dead. But Jesus, we, we can't dig his bones up. He's ascended into heaven. He's, he's resurrected from the dead. And so you see this play certainly with his first two points. And then he'll certainly make the point a little bit later about the fact that he himself as Peter and the other apostles are witnesses to the resurrected Christ. 
But he, he uses this hindsight as 2020, and, and you start to really feel, as we're trying to put ourselves in that circumstance and, and in the shoes of those folks, that, man, all of these pieces are coming together. Mm-hmm. They may not have come together as Jesus was there with them. Yeah. But now, looking back, man, this is starting to really, really make sense. And all of this is starting to lead towards, yeah, the reaction mm-hmm. to, to the story itself. Yeah, I mean, the, the light bulbs are going off oh, yeah. as, as Peter is talking about all of this. Now that they have, they have witnessed what happened with Christ, and now they're hearing this, they're bringing in the Old Testament prophecies, and the light bulbs are just popping. Oh yeah! I mean, you can just you can just see it as you're reading through this. Like, whoa! You know, it's all coming together now. And I think this is it, it's it's so applicable to us today, because when the light bulb goes off, when all the pieces come together, the response today is the same as the response was two thousand years ago. Yeah. Because when it all comes together for someone. When they see the truth about who Jesus was, they see the truth about what He did for them, the response is the exact same today as it was then. What do I do? Because I want to be obedient to this Savior who did this. I, I want to give myself to Him because He gave Himself for me. What do I do? And that's just, it's so beautiful when you get to see that today and you get to look back in Acts chapter 2 and realize, wow, 2,000 years has gone by, but nothing's really changed no. when it comes to this. When the truth about Jesus is preached to a sincere and honest heart, the response is the exact same. Yeah, you know, and, and as he's kind of piecing all of these things together, I, I think you're exactly right. You, you, I don't, you would just be almost in silence, in that stunned silence, mm-hmm. and your mind is just now starting to put everything together. And really, in verse 36, as, as Peter's working his way up, where he says, listen, let all the house of Israel know surely that God has made this Jesus, the one that he's talked about, the one that he's pointed to, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And then he just lets that sit. Yeah. I mean, just, just lets that sit on him. And now they're looking differently at a passage mm-hmm. like the one they made mention of in Joel. Mm-hmm. They're looking differently at what David says there in the book of Psalms. They're maybe looking differently in their own mind, even though not talked about here to passages like Isaiah wrote a lot about the Messiah. Now they're looking at all of those things in a very different way than maybe they were looking at it before. All of these things are coming together. Peter lays this story on them, and certainly there in verse 37, they're affected in a pretty big way. Yeah, you know, as you made mention at the beginning, Verses 36, 37, 38, those are the verses uh, that we're probably most familiar with. Right. And, and for good reason. Sure. I mean, this is, this is a, a big part uh, of what uh, the Holy Spirit wants us to see as we read through Acts chapter 2, is the response to this. And, and when they ask that question, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter responds to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then as we continue on there in verse 40 through the end of the chapter, we see thousands of people giving their lives to Christ in baptism in the beginning of the Lord's church. And we just see that continue to grow and grow and grow as the book of Acts continues. This is, to a Christian, this is what it's all about right here, is, mm-hmm. is the response that we have to the gospel of Jesus being preached. 
And it gives us not only uh, the assurance that, that we too can respond in that way, but that there are people out there who will also respond in that yeah. way when the truth about Jesus is preached. And that gives us our marching orders, so to speak, as to what we're supposed to do as evangelists for Christ, to teach others about Him, the truth about Him, and trust that, as you pointed out in Romans chapter 1, that the power of the gospel will work in people's lives today yeah. just like it did back then. And that the growth that we see in the church from here on will continue to happen today because the truth about Jesus hasn't changed. <laughs> and, and there are still people out there who are interested in searching for that. And, and that gives us, us hope that, that we have the opportunity, if the Lord gives them to us, uh, to reach out to those people and to share this message of Christ with them today. You know, they're being brought face-to-face with the sin in their lives. I mean, the mistakes that's been made. I mean, ultimately, the big one that's put right in front of them is, listen, the Jesus, the Messiah, Mm -hmm. you put him on a cross. And so now you have a huge thing, but you have all of their mistakes, all of their sins. You know, they're coming face-to-face with, and you have that just really, really important question. What, what, what can I do about that? Okay. Well, God has not just left us hanging out there. Yeah. I mean, it could have been the, well, listen, you had an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You had the chance. I just, I just, brought, I just came to okay. earth. You had all the opportunities and you blew it. I mean, that's all he could have said that, but he, he doesn't. He, he says, listen, yeah, there is something that you can do. You can repent. You can turn from that kind of mindset, and you can be baptized mm-hmm. for the remission of your sins, washing all those sins away. And you, you continue to see that same formula play out through the book of Acts. Repentance, confession, baptism, over and over and over for the remission of their sins. And it is in God's love of man that he's made this even an opportunity for us. And it, it is an incredible call uh, to repentance that we have, and it's a pretty powerful piece. Absolutely. We'll go ahead and wrap things up. We want to thank everyone for your time this morning. Uh, hopefully you have something to think about here over the next few days. We want to encourage you to continue your study and follow along with us uh, as you can at traderspointchurch.org or on Facebook as well. So thanks again for your time. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.